Welcome to another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Today, we have with us Colin C. Campbell. He's a serial entrepreneur for over 30 years and is the author of Start, Scale, Exit, Repeat, Serial Entrepreneur's Secrets Revealed. He has founded and scaled various internet companies that collectively have reached a valuation of almost $1 billion. I repeat, $1 billion. Certainly, this is someone to listen to. Sounds like he knows what he's doing. Having successfully navigated the exits of companies like Tuckos Interactive, Internet Direct Canada, Geeks for Less, and many more, he has not only cemented his name as a startup expert, but has also collected an array of accolades, including spots on Inc. 500 and Inc. 5000 rosters for over several years in a row. A sought-after speaker in the world of entrepreneurship, Campbell has spoken at several high-profile universities and events. He also leads Startup Club with almost 1 million members, continuing to share his experiences as he interviews experts, authors, and serial entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show, Colin. Thank you for having me on. What would you say are the main points for entrepreneurs looking to start their own business? The main points are really all about trying to solve a problem. If you're in a particular industry, in life, different things, and they're a problem and they need to be solved, that's an opportunity to start a business. We see that everywhere we go. So ideas are everywhere, and especially now in an AI-driven world, because that's, that's shaping a lot of the new startups that are coming out today. So if you, you can basically you can solve that problem, you can launch a startup. For somebody that is interested in starting one, and they're not quite sure of which would be the most popular or most receptive for their target market, to help brainstorm with them and advise them what would be best for them? Yeah, it's really about first, once you've identified that problem, you solve the problem, what's the purpose? And I think that's a very important part of it any business that someone launches is that they understand the purpose and quite frankly, even have a love for that particular industry because it's a roller coaster. There's a lot of ups and downs in a startup. And if you want to get through those tough times, you really need to be able to love what you're doing. For instance, I actually, one of my companies is paw.com, P-A-W.com. And it's all about dogs. You may have guessed, right? So we design and build dog products for all of our animals. And I have I had three King Charles Spaniels that were aging. And yeah. we wanted to find a way to make them more comfortable. So we came up and designed categories around memory foam pet rugs. And it became a huge category. And the company just, just blew up. But a lot of it comes from my passion for animals, my passion for dogs, and if you have a passion for something, it'll get you through the it'll get you through the hard times. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of other things to consider when you're launching a business. I really we have a chapter in the book called the Four Sticky Note Business Plan, and I do this with the cohorts that I teach cohorts at universities for startups. And by the way, you don't have to be in these cohorts. One of the students. There are people of all ages 
and they're absolutely free. That's a, that's what's amazing. You can join a cohort and they can help you with your messaging, your pitch, with the legal aspects of the of the business. They can help you walk you through all of it. And in my case, it's the four sticky note business plan. And we do it in 30 minutes, 30 minutes to sit down and build a strategic plan for your business. And the strategic plan, it's sticky notes for a reason. They're sticky. They're small. And we want small because we don't want this to be an overly complicated process. On the first one, we're going to have story, which is what is it? What's the purpose? What is our X factor? Our X factor is something unique and different that we have that no one else has. What is our first stage gate? So we're going to want to pick a time in the future, 90 days, 120, but make it very specific and measurable where we're going to deliver a certain result, an MVP, minimum viable product, maybe my first 10 customers, whatever that product is. We want to get it to a certain point in time. And then on the next sticky note, we're going to want to identify the money that we need to raise to get to that stage gate. The next one, the people we need or the resources we need to get to that stage gate. And then on the fourth one, we're going to identify the KPIs under systems. We're going to want to identify what are the, are the metrics that we want to track for this startup. And it takes about a half hour, that one project, but it can actually increase your chances of success. And by joining the incubator or even getting a mentor, we had the opportunity to interview the lady who runs SCORE. I don't know if you're familiar with SCORE. SCORE is an organization run by the SBA. They have over 10,000 volunteers and they make the case that they can increase the chances of success for a startup by three times. They have studies oh. that prove it. It's almost unbelievable. And I know a number of your listeners as well, they're focused on a particular trade and they've mastered that trade. But entrepreneurship is a trade as well. It's something that needs to be learned and mastered like any other trade. And that's critical for success of any startup. Do you recommend that there be some type of research or polls or surveys uh, to your target market so that you could um, hone in on what they are looking for? Yeah, once you have your idea, let's try to just take your idea. The first thing I do actually is, is try to find a group of people I can vet the idea with. Mm -hmm. And it's, it should be a group of trusted people. They shouldn't be the yaysayers. You don't take it to your mom. It shouldn't be the naysayers. You don't take it to the, the ones who are always saying, that'll never work, that'll never work. But what you do want to do is find a group of trusted people that you can first vet it with and keep vetting and making it better and better. I'm a big believer in market research and data and understanding. If you can add those elements into your planning process before you pull the trigger, that's ideal. And also that will help you with investors because if you have data that can back up a particular concept or idea, that can help you with your investors as well. That's really a good idea. Now, you have uh, had the opportunity to interview a lot of experts. Uh, what are some of the tips that they've given you? I think this one would be, would be interesting for your listeners. I had the opportunity to interview an 88-year-old founder of a company called Reebok. It was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I've interviewed him about three or four times for the book. He's in a chapter in the book and a couple other spots throughout the book. And his story was that in 1979, 
his company had hit $9 million in sales. He decided to go to the United States and he thought that was a big market. And in the United States, he applied for some awards to get a five-star rating. Five-star rating for shoes. Guess what? He came back. They won three categories on his shoes. Five-star ratings. Isn't it interesting in 1979 how important reviews are and how I know a number of your listeners also reviews are absolutely important and critical, absolutely critical for the livelihood of a lot of your listeners. But it was really uh, then, amazing that he was able to get it then when nobody was on internet. No, this was reviews from a magazine. So this was like, this was not internet. This was not on a computer. This was Runner's Daily, which is a magazine that printed once a year that they would have all the reviews. It's like a consumer's report mm -hmm. for, for running shoes. And he was able to get that. By getting that, he got a distributor in the United States. The next thing, someone happens to wear his shoes on television. And you know who it was? It was Jane Fonda. She wore their shoes on national television. Now, what's old again is new again. He never knew that she was going to wear the shoes. He never paid her to wear the shoes. She just wore the shoes. The company went from $9 million to $900 million. And the way he caught that break by positioning himself to catch it is very interesting. The one thing he did very well is he went into the white space, he calls it. This is the space where no one's playing in right now. Because when we've done it at, at, at the company I described earlier, paw.com, when we've got, gone into that product development and we've copied others, I'll tell you right now, we have a hundred year supply of shampoo at the company. Okay. So just nothing different. It's the same old, it's, it's dog shampoo. Now I know it's very nice shampoo and I'm, my team tells me all this, but when we went into a, a white space, a space that no one was in, aerobics was a space that no one was in at Reebok. And, and Joe Foster went into that space and he, he, yeah, he caught a break. Jane Fonda wore those shoes. So she was the influencer. And is influencer marketing important in today's society? Absolutely. Yeah. And all of our customers can be influencers as well. They can be super fans. Uh, so I, I just love that story about Joe Foster. We have so many throughout the book. And it really is a trade. Entrepreneurship, starting a business. Yeah, you can do it all your own by instinct. Or you can try to learn from others and you can learn from the theories. The book has a lot of stories. So we do talk a lot about my stories, my successes, my failures. But also it, it does draw conclusions. And it, if you can actually apply these theories, you can increase your chances of success. Serial entrepreneurs have about a 38% chance of success. For first-time entrepreneurs, about half that. And the fact is 38 may not sound perfect, but in life, you're going to have, even if you have one company, you're going to have multiple products. Some are going to fail. Some are going to succeed. So we have to mitigate those failures and focus on scaling the winners. Your story really brings about how important it is to have a plan to get noticed or visibility. That, that's really everything. And it brings to mind a story that Jack Canfield mentioned when he talked about first starting to get his Chicken Soup for the Soul book out when nobody was buying it and he was in debt for publishing and more than 40 publishers had not wanted to publish it. So he and his partner were trying to figure out how could they increase their visibility. 
just at that time, the court was the trial was going on for whether O.J. Simpson was guilty or not. The jury was sequestered and they were not allowed really to read anything or bring anything to court. They were not able to watch TV or listen to the radio. So they thought, how are they going to spend the time when they're not actually in the court? What they did is they mailed a book or shipped a book to each one of the jury members and the judge. The following day, people came to court and each one had that book under their arm. And of course, the public wanted to know what is it that they're carrying? What is it that they're reading? And for them, the rest is history. I never heard that story. That's absolutely fascinating. And we talk about it in the book, something called newsjacking. They literally jury jacked. The, it's fascinating, but we do, we do that all the time. We try to identify, like two weeks ago, I was asked to comment on an entrepreneur who had launched a festival and ended up going to jail for it. It was a fire festival. I don't know if you heard about it, but I was asked to comment on that. And this was simply because my PR agent sent out a notice that, hey, we hear you're talking about this. We have a book called Start, Scale, Exit, Repeat that has a formula for this individual who can, who's trying to launch it again to help improve their chances of success. So it's just interesting how you can newsjack. Newsjacking is something that can be done on a local basis, a national basis. But that story, I think that one breaks some records. This just goes to show everybody, listen, you're trying to get something out. You're trying to increase your visibility. Why not think of how you can do that? How you could like Jack Hanfield or like the stories that you mentioned, be seen, because a lot has to do with that. Now, what are the success rates of people who had a product or a book that came out maybe five or six years ago? It didn't really do particularly well, or it did well and then slumped, and they would like to bring it out again. Can they, can they launch it in its original fashion, or do they need a second edition, or do they need to modify it in some way before they could go ahead and launch it again? I'm not an, an expert on on book launches. This is actually my first book. This one took 10 years to write, so I'm not certain I am, am the most productive when it comes to this kind of stuff. Thankfully, I didn't hear that the next one goes much faster. Oh, does it? Okay, very good. But thankfully, it was a bestseller on when it debuted, so we were happy about that. No, I would say don't. Obviously, they have to change what they're doing. And there is a system, a methodology that you can use for launching your product, your idea, your book, whatever that is. And we talk about that meticulously throughout the book. I actually give some examples. I say there's four scenarios. You either have, and I use these movie examples. Batgirl, for instance, they spent $90 million making this movie and they killed it. So you can have a, a product that just doesn't work. Does just at a certain point you might have to kill it, right? And then you had a I don't know if you remember this movie, Waterworld. Oh. It was a blockbuster in the wrong direction. They spent millions advertising it, and it was a dud. The Rotten Tomatoes num score on that is very low. And then you have something like Hugo, which I absolutely loved. My kids loved it. It has a Rotten Tomatoes of ninety three percent. 
but was marketed horribly. It was marketed very poorly. It was done by Martin Scorsese, and he used his, they used sort of his brand, which wasn't associated with that kind of movie. And then you've got the nexus of a high Rotten Tomatoes score with great marketing. And I think last year we saw that with Top Gun. So if you really do have a good product, you really believe in it, you do need to put some marketing into it. You need to make that investment to get that product to out there. And you can learn pretty quickly through different tests in, in advertising, whether it's Facebook or Amazon, whatever it is, you can learn pretty quickly whether or not you have a product that can sell. If your ROAS, your return on ad spend is X amount, and that's going to drive growth going forward, then you have something on your hands. And, and I do encourage entrepreneurs that have these 93% rotten tomato scores mm -hmm. to go out and raise money because that's when you can scale your company. We had a company here called Dot Club in 2012. Dot Club was an alternative to dot com, dot net, dot org. And we knew it was going to be big. We'd done studies on it, like you had said earlier. We had re I hired a company to do a study. I was at a, a Fortune 500 company. They never decided to launch it. So I said, I'll launch it myself. We raised $12 million. We launched the, the company and we sold almost a million domain names, eventually selling it to GoDaddy registry. But we did believe in it. We knew it was a good product. We went to market with it and we were able to back that up. And when you believe you have a great product, don't let it just sit on the shelf. Right Except up the, people do. And but write up that four sticky note business plan. Put together just some basic thoughts and plans around this launch. And, and if you think it's the right product, get to a certain stage, get start proving your concept. This is the the key that all startups need to do is they need to prove a concept. Once a concept's proven, it's easy to raise money. It's a lot easier to raise money at a much higher valuation and much more money than it is in the early stages. There are very few investors who really like investing in startup ideas because of the failure rate. It's like going to the casino. Do you put your number for the roulette table? Do you put it on one number or do you break it up into thirds or red or black? Or if I double my money, I'm happy with that. But if I lose all my money, I'm not so happy with that. So because of that high risk profile, we, if we want to attract investors, we really want to focus on proving our concept. And that doesn't just mean the first product or the first hundred customers. It may mean, if you think about the way Facebook had grown, it started with Harvard, one college, and then it went to two and then 10 and then a hundred, and then it break, broke out of colleges and as it's become what it is today. But you really have to focus on winning and proving in one market and then replicate that in so many other markets. Where would you say that the ads that you put out were most successful? So that really is dependent on the products. We have many different companies here. We have a real estate business. We have technology businesses. We have an AI platform that's coming out this week. So it really depends. I think find your target market. Who, if On that first sticky note, I also talk about adding a persona or a who is the individual that is going to consume this product. We want to try to understand that person. And if we understand that person, we can target that person. So for instance, in B2B, we had a company in the 2000s, which was a hosting and email platform company sold to telecoms. So you get your email and your website from AT&T, Vodafone, British Telecom, all those companies use the company that we founded. 
And in that particular case, our customer was a mid-level executive. And their number one concern at a telecom, and their number one concern was getting fired. So once we understand who it is, our customer is not the telecom. Our customer is a mid-level executive who has to make the decision. And they're very nervous about platforms and migrations. And if things go wrong, they lose their job. Their number one motivation is not losing their job. So once we can identify who, then we can try to figure out how do we get to that person. So one of the tricks I use, and I think all of your listeners can use this, is become the expert in your industry. And by the way, with AI, it can be a lot easier to do a blog now mm -hmm. for a doctor's office or a school. My wife and I own a school. And two weeks ago, I said to her, and it's an AMI Montessori. So it's a very particular classification of Montessori. This was the, the Montessori Foundation that Maria Montessori founded. And it's one of the more most advanced schooling systems I've ever seen. It's an amazing system. We've owned the school for about 15 years. And I said to her, you haven't updated your blog since 2001. Oh, sorry, 2021. 2021. And she goes, yeah, it's a lot of work. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll write you eight articles in the next 10 minutes. All I did was go to ChatGPT, mm -hmm. type in, what is the training quali qualifications for an AMI teacher? And it's, give me eight. And I, I would like to say that, give me eight or give me 10, give me 12 training uh, qualifications. And it spit them out instantly. Within 10 minutes, I had eight articles. I sent her all of the articles. Now she looked at these articles and let me tell you, they were very good. Of course, we're not going to want to do an article in our industry or space that we don't review and check, especially with your listeners. It's very particular. We're going to want to check it. We're going to want to vet it. We're going to make sure it makes sense. But sometimes it's a lot easier to edit than it is to create. And I was just shocked how these eight articles sounded. They sounded amazing. They were all dead on. So using AI for your startup or for your practice or whatever it is, adopting AI, embracing AI, you can either hide from it or you can embrace it. Those who embrace it will benefit from it. And, and that's going to be a huge opportunity for anyone in the 2020s. This is this is an opportunity in history that we have not seen before. It's a paradigm shift. And the opportunities and paradigm shifts are huge for those who know how to navigate the tornado. That's what Jeffrey Moore calls it, who wrote Crossing the Chasm. If you know how to navigate the tornado, you can do very well. So I would highly recommend everyone become an expert in their space and publish a blog. It's It can take you five minutes of work to do now. It's unbelievable. Obviously, if you put a little bit more effort in, it can help. <laughs> this is true. Now, let's turn our attention for a moment to your book. Is your book uh, in ebook form as well? Yes, it's in it's in every format, including Audible, which has not come out yet. We submitted it three weeks ago. We had a, a young gentleman read the book who did an amazing job. It's published by Forbes, and it's available on every platform from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, up in Canada, Indigo. Whatever store you normally buy your books at, you can buy Start, Scale, Exit, Repeat. It does have the Kindle version, has a hard copy. I don't, your viewers, most of them are listening. I know that. But we invested a lot of money in the hard copy book as well. It might be one of the few hard copy books you would actually pick up and hold in your hand. It has 53 chapters, 200 callouts, 
30 original illustrations. And it was a project, a massive project. And we tried to make it fun to read a physical book. Now, I should warn you that we initially, Forbes had printed 1,500 copies, and we were told yesterday there's only about two or three days left of inventory, but they're restocking uh, 2,000 more copies by the end of the month, October 31st. So if you don't get it right away and you wanted a, a hard copy book, it might take you a few extra days to get it, but the Audible will be out next week. Are you going to do a book tour? A book tour, I don't know about a traditional book tour. I booked a number of speeches in different locations at universities and at conferences. I'll do that for a few months. I have about 30 podcasts this month, so I'm working on that too. So I'd call that a tour. But we are doing a book signing in Fort Lauderdale, where I'm from, and in Toronto as well, up there where I originally came from, where my hometown is Toronto. That's great. So for our listeners who are interested in getting the book, where did you say they should anywhere. Just, anywhere? Just anywhere. Just go to Amazon, anywhere you buy books, start, scale, exit, repeat. You can type it in and you can get it. That's great. And thank you for all of the tips. I'm sure our listeners are going to be thinking now, gosh, I haven't done this before, but this is something that I should try out. I'm going to go get that book and hear about the meaty book that it is and see what tips he has to offer besides the ones that you gave today. Oh, yeah. And it's not just my information. I told you, we interviewed about 200 people, about 50 people actually made the cut for the book. We took the best of the best ideas and put those. And it's written in a way of that we talk. It's all about stories and sharing those stories and coming up with conclusions. So it can be quite interesting, all the stories that you can read throughout the book. Absolutely. Thank you for being on the show today. This has been another episode of Marketing Tips for Doctors with your host, Dr. Barbara Hales. Till next time. Thank you.